Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Ever finished an interview with a great person and just felt unsure or maybe you needed more data to make a decision either way? This all too common scenario is caused by a poorly executed interview process and not asking intentional questions designed to gain evidence to support a decision. Today, we're going to be discussing how to avoid the pitfalls of this conundrum when hiring for your company. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and business leaders avoid costly hiring mistakes by providing proof tactical solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Steve Frenzinger. Steve is an entrepreneur, a coach to entrepreneurs, and a Hall of Fame investor in entrepreneurs. He's also the author, speaker, and self-awareness expert helping entrepreneurs, innovators, and change agents solve big problems. Steve is also a Forbes Coaches Council member. Using his decades of experience building multiple eight-figure businesses, he has hired over a thousand team members, and Steve has helped hundreds of his clients make better decisions, plus expose their career and business blind spots that can clear their path to success, which is what makes Steve the perfect expert for today's topic. Steve, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Ah, thank you, Rick. It's, a, it's great to be here. I yeah. Listening to some of your past podcasts, and they're very interesting. Very thank interesting. you. I appreciate that. All right, today we're going to be discussing why gathering evidence is critical to support your decision. We're talking about what steps need to be taken to avoid this conundrum. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. All right, so let's talk about the first why. Um, so why is gathering evidence important? As far as checking candidates, obviously yeah. there's more of the traditional look at someone's experience and maybe their cultural fit. But I found because I was doing so much hiring that I took an interest in understanding personality type. Personality type is a general term often associated with the Myers-Briggs model, but really relates to all of the mental models, whether it's DISC or the Enneagram or any of them. All of them are ways to categorize behavior behavior and make behavior predictable. So if you know somebody's personality type, you can understand in advance possibly their behavior. And as a result, it could be the final check mark on a decision when you're picking a candidate. Why do you feel it's important to be able to understand somebody's behavior or what they're going to do? Back when I was, like, again, doing all the hiring, actually, even when it was back, to be honest, my first original interest in personality type was when I started a business and things were going well. And to be honest, I didn't know if I was lucky or good. So I started to do some deep dives and made some really interesting discoveries about myself that were very confirming as to how I was wired. And I was wired for success in my business, and it kind of blew my mind. And I'm telling you, everything changed. Everybody noticed. They'd say, Steve, what's different about you? And, you know, my handshake was firmer. My voice was deeper. I stood taller. Everything changed. When you know who you are, your strengths and weaknesses, and you're able to spot them in others, it's an incredibly empowering capability. It's not that difficult. I teach it to hundreds of people all the time on basically how to, what I call fast type someone. Somebody doesn't really have to take a formal test for you to be able to spot key behavioral indicators that are great predictors of what they'll do in their job. Was there some sort of event, though, that triggered you wanting to learn more about it? Well, again, it was my own doubt. When things are going well, that little voice in my head was saying, again, are you lucky or are you good? So I made a determined effort to discover as much as I could about myself. It was sort of a self-awareness discovery that I went through 
to really unpeel the onion on me personally. And what happens when you do that, you instantly discover that you want to do it to other people. You want to do it to your family, your wife, your kids, the people <laughs> around you. you know, I, and they get really annoyed by that, right? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, after a while, you have to be careful. You don't want them to say, are you trying to analyze me? Right. <laughs> Generally speaking, everybody has uh, behavioral preferences. These are things that we do more often than we don't. For example, I'm very much of a thinker, and I look at things very logically and analytically, and I'm not much of a feeler. I'm not very caring and sensitive in many situations. And it was good for me to discover that because I often find myself in situations where I need to be a little sensitive, to show a little EQ, a little empathy. And because I know I'm not wired that way, the awareness at least allows me to make some adjustments. Have you discovered that a lot of entrepreneurs don't dig that far into it? They're so focused on the work that needs to be done in building the business that they really don't have that self-awareness. Oh, absolutely. I, I almost made a whole career out of self-awareness. I had clients at Sony and Disney and Broadcom and Tesla and SpaceX and Pricewaterhouse. These were all people I was trying to sell consulting services to, but they discovered that I was this, sometimes it's called a typologist, where I could help people gain certain insights. And I did really deep dive assessments into these high-powered executives, and all of them had either a blind spot or baggage. Now, a blind spot is something you just don't know, and baggage is something you know, but you just can't stop it. You can't fix it. and Or you so, don't care to fix it, right? Well, exactly. You don't yeah. care. That's fine. As long as you know, <laughs> as long as you know you do it and you do it intentionally, that's fine. But it's so interesting. And all of the examples were crazy. I found one executive that all seven of his direct reports said in a blind feedback survey that their boss didn't give them enough information to do their job. Can you imagine as a manager finding all of your direct reports say that you don't give them enough information to do their job? How did he handle that? Oh, he was pissed. It's funny. A lot of times I'm having to tell people things that they don't always want to hear, but they're open to it. For example, I had a really high-powered exec that for some reason had this management philosophy that he had to be able to do the job of everybody that worked for him. As his organization started to grow, he'd go out and sit next to his employees on a very regular basis, look over their shoulder and say, tell me what you do, show me what you do. And when the feedback survey came back and said that he's a micromanager and they drive him crazy and they wish he would just stay in his office... (laughs) He was totally upset, totally upset. But the reality was that is not a good way to grow your career. And his career had actually stalled a bit. And when you're out there literally every day trying to figure out how to do everybody's job that works for you, that's not good managing. All right. So you mentioned uh, personality elements, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. I know you're a big fan of Myers-Briggs and DISC, right? So I'm an entrepreneur. I haven't paid a lot of attention to this. I mean, I do it now because I do it as a for a living, but what would be these kind of elements to a personality that people should be aware of? We'll start with the easy one. You know, DISC is by far a more simplistic model. The D, the I, the S, the C. D for dominance, I for influence, S for stability, C for conscientiousness. And people fall into those categories fairly simply. And so a D is somebody, if I equate it to Myers-Briggs, that would be considered an extroverted thinker. And if your job, if the role that you have for this person requires that you need a high energy, outgoing, quick to respond, analytical, logical,
logical person, a D in disk is a great style. The disk types are called styles. So if you're familiar with that, but if you need something that's a little more touchy-feely, then you want to go with an I because that equates to an extroverted feeler. If you want somebody that's a feeler but maybe not so outgoing, maybe a little milder personality, then you'd go with an S, which equates to an introverted feeler. And then if you want somebody who's a thinker but you don't want somebody that's outrageously outgoing, you want somebody who can work well by themselves, maybe like a programmer or something, then certainly a C for conscientiousness is good. So each of the disk styles and each of the letters in the four-letter Myers-Briggs notation associate very nicely to particular roles. For example, the last letter in the Myers-Briggs notation is either a J or a P. If you're a P, you're a perceiver. That means you're very flexible and spontaneous. That's a great characteristic to have if you're a salesperson, especially if you have short cycle sales. But if you're going to put somebody in charge of something, you want somebody that's a J, a judger, which is very organized and structured. Like, I would never hire a manager whose Myers-Briggs notation didn't end with a J because they're going to be at a disadvantage because J's are just naturally organized and structured. I'm a J and everything I do is, you know, I can't leave the house without a list. God, I wish I could do that. So how do you know what you need, though? If I'm an entrepreneur and I'm starting up a company and I need to build out my executive team or my staff, how do I know if I need a D, I, S, or C? Like the obvious ones would be most S's and C's tend to be on the engineering side, correct? I'd say on the engineering side, I really like to get into Myers-Briggs when you get in on the developer side because the ultimate technical person is an ISTJ. I mean, an ISTJ, that's an introverted, sensate, thinking judger. Introvert, just a mild-mannered, works well alone. Sensate is very detail-oriented in the moment. Thinker, again, logical and analytical, and J is for organized and structured. So, but at a minimum, I would never hire a technical person that wasn't an ST. The middle two letters are an ST. At the end of this show, I will give everybody my email address because I have a quick typing form that tells you all this and even gives you some examples of what this Wait, works. don't give that away yet because we're going to talk about that. On- <laughs> oh, okay. I want to get into that. So, okay, I get what you're saying. I guess the big question that I have is that if you're building your company and you really don't know what you need, what are you using to justify a hire if you're using personality profiling? I think that's one of the challenges that I've run into in the past as I've gone through these because most entrepreneurs don't know what they need. I just know that I need somebody who is competent and come in here and do the work. Well, again, you know, their experience, what they've done before, the cultural fit, all that's important. But still, usually when you're hiring somebody, there's some core role you want them to play. You want them to evolve into a manager or you want them to lead the engineering group. You know, there's some ultimate plan that you have. And each of those, if you give me an example, I'll give you either a disc style or a Myers-Briggs type that would further ensure, you know, nothing guarantees success, but the best you can do is increase the odds. And I became a master of matching talent to task. It made me millions of dollars in business. So it works. It absolutely works. And it's just, again, it's the cherry on top of the selection process that'll make you far more comfortable in your decision. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find resources that'll help you grow and scale your company. Today, our guest is Steve Frenzinger, and we are talking about the interview process. Well, actually, specifically gathering the right evidence via primarily DISC and Myers-Briggs assessments to make sure that you're hiring the right person. We just talked a little bit about what those elements were, and now let's talk about how do we do it. So let's talk about fast typing. Is that kind of your hack to get to the... Listen, you do anything for 30 years and you get 
good at it. Generally speaking, when you want to determine your personality, you take a personality test. There are times when you meet people, somebody you're trying to sell to or somebody you want to hire, and maybe it's not always convenient or even appropriate. Actually, historically, some of the larger companies have not wanted to use personality type as a reason not to hire somebody. But certainly on the entrepreneurial side, you have every right in the world to ask a candidate, have you ever taken a DISC or a Myers-Briggs test? And generally, they'll tell you. And then as long as you know what the letters mean, that's another form of insight for you. You know, hopefully they're telling you the truth. But in, <laughs> in fast typing, you do what you kind of almost do naturally anyway. You meet somebody, and let's say you know you need an outgoing, very extroverted, analytical type person. And when the person in front of you says they're an extroverted thinker like that, but they sit there and they look very mild-mannered and they look very sensitive and stuff, you're saying it just doesn't jive. You know, you say, wow, you, what you're telling me doesn't make sense. So this ability to fast type is a way to confirm what somebody has told you because the bottom line a lot of typing goes sideways when a person takes a test and you know it's try to get them a job sometimes they don't always tell the truth people people lie in interviews or uh, on tests yeah. i don't know yeah so i think it, <laughs> it behooves you to not only know what the letters mean and what letters might correspond to the job you're trying to fill but for you to be astute enough to see those behavioral markers when people say and do things so that a little light can go off i'm I'm telling you, I've hired over a thousand people and I hired probably every one of them with some relationship to personality type and I was massively successful. So it absolutely works. It's a great predictor because when you type somebody and you feel comfortable with your typing, typing is a predictor of behavior. Okay, It predicts how they're going to behave. It predicts their preferences. And a preference is simply like I'm a thinker. I have a preference for thinking. And my opposite or my weakness in that case is feeling. I mentioned that earlier. But because I'm aware of that, I can make certain adjustments. So everybody has preferences. And that your goal is when you type somebody is to simply find out what their behavioral preferences are because that will determine potentially how successful they'll be in their job. So to me, what's important here is to actually take this information and augment augment it with evidence. And I'm a big proponent of past performance is a key indicator of future performance. Another place where a lot of us tend to not dig in and understand is walk me through how you did this and gaining that evidence to see really how well somebody performed to confirm that. So if you're looking at somebody who's, you know, you need an ID or what have you, rather than just kind of assuming that that's correct, having the evidence that, yes, this person actually did do this and here's how they did it. Well, I mean, first off, DISC and Myers-Briggs, I mean, those are massively successful businesses if they weren't correct, if they weren't providing I'm not value. saying they're not correct. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is to me, like these are great tools to have, but you also have to have a really strong interview process. Right. Where you're gathering that evidence to back up what you're getting off the assessments or the tests. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, personality type is just one of many filters that you're going to put people through. Like I said, I they've got to have the right experience. You have to understand their cultural fit. I mean, there's a process. Maybe it's a little bit faster process when you're hiring a contractor versus a permanent employee. But the reality is there's a very standard approach to doing that. And personality type is just one more piece of information. And it helped me because it helped me make better decisions. And it could, if you look into it, it could help you feel better about your own decisions as well. I think the key that you said, and this is where a lot of entrepreneurs fail, is they don't really have a clearly defined process. And having that process is really important. And that's a great point. I should have said that earlier, that 
A lot of people already do this sort of subconsciously. They'll say, gosh, this person feels very low energy. I just don't know because this is a very high energy role they have to be in. So we're doing this somewhat subconsciously or naturally anyway. All I'm talking about doing is putting some structure around it. So when you make that decision, you can feel better about it. Instead of going, oh, my gut says, my gut says. And you, say, God. Well, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you know, I realize that their behavior today is indicative of somebody who's not going to work well in this position, and here's why. And it's possible when you're in an interview situation, people who are not professional interviewers get nervous. You can get misreads in your gut from some of these. Oh, things, absolutely. Some of, some of these assumptions. Absolutely. It's, it's funny. I've been hired to come in on key hires and just be another interviewer, and my role often is just to confirm. That's my job too. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find it. Walk me through what fast typing is. How do I fast type somebody? Is there steps to it? Yeah, I'll try to explain it. I usually like to draw pictures and stuff, but I look at everybody as a computer. Okay, A computer has a power source. It has an input. It has a process and it has an output. Real simple, four steps. Power, input, process, output. I call it the PIP or PIPO model. So if you were to look at me and met me in my natural state, you'd probably say, well, today I may be acting a little extroverted, but in reality, I'm an introverted guy. I'm a quiet guy. I come out of my shell on topics that I really enjoy, like this one. So my energy source is inside of me. And you can usually spot people who are introverted because they tend to take a little time to answer questions. They tend to be very reflective. And often their body language is kind of poor. It's funny. Introverts have to manage their energy because they have less energy than extroverts. So often an introvert is seen sort of relaxing. They look a little low energy. And for the most part, that really doesn't matter because Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan are introverts. So is Jeff Bezos and so is Bill Gates and so is Elon Musk. And So you're saying that introverts rule the world. Well, I, I, tell, <laughs> I, I just wrote an article for Forbes that pretty much said that, that basically introverts outperform extroverts. And it was proven in a massive study conducted by a couple of experts. And I cite that in that Forbes article. That's funny because my brother and I are exact opposite. He's an extrovert, 100%. I'm the introvert. Mm-hmm. And I'm way more focused and I get things done more than he does. He gets sidetracked really easily. Sure. So again, just to finish that model, and I'll be talking about it a little bit later, but so you look at somebody, you try to figure out where they get their energy, and that's going to tell you they're introvert or extrovert. The next step is how they gather data. And so there's only two ways your mind gathers data. It gathers it through the five senses, eyes, nose, ears, smell, touch, and such, or they get it through their gut sense, the sixth sense, often called intuition. And there are key triggers for you to notice that. It's usually pretty easy to spot that as well. Then on how they process data, they either process it with a preference to thinking or to feeling. And usually when you're with somebody, you get a sense pretty quickly whether they're a logical, analytical type or if they're that very caring and sensitive style that we all spot so easily. So that's uh, the power input process. And then the last step is how they output. And that's pretty simple. Again, that's whether or not they're very structured and organized or whether they're very spontaneous and adaptable. But the reality is when you first meet somebody, you really only need the first and third letters. All you need to know about me is I'm an introverted thinker. And if you know that, you're going to have a great conversation with me. Or if I meet somebody that's an extroverted feeler and I'm an introverted thinker, I got to step up my game because they're at a different energy level. And that's typically what you do. I mean, if you're not matching their energy level, you have to pick it up. Any Tony Robbins fans out there have heard that 
But that general PIPO, power input process output, is something that I teach people Myers-Briggs in a 30-minute class, and uh, you can become an expert on it. It's really quite simple if you have a proper metaphor to tie it back to. And I'm happy you mentioned it earlier, but you'd be willing to share it with our audience if they want to copy, so that'll be awesome. Sure. If you look at an interview process, where does this piece fit into the interview process for you? You having somebody do an assessment in the beginning, or are you talking about, okay, Okay, as part of the interview process. Let's say you're having three interviews. If everybody has some insights to this, generally taking notes on sure. a form and stuff, your form can include some things that you noticed about them, whether you think they're an introvert or an extrovert or a thinker or a feeler. So there's probably a great way to let everybody, when they spot something, a characteristic, to probably put a check on a box and then the next person puts a check on a box. And if everybody comes back and says, wow, everybody says you're an extroverted thinker and that's exactly what we need, then there you go. So Okay. Interesting, because I've had this conversation with a lot of people that are assessment types. And actually one of our sponsors, Criteria, they've got some really interesting data in around when, you know, giving assessments is a really good tool. They found that you give them after the second interview and you have the best results, the most accurate results if you're giving people assessments. Oh, if you ask them to take a test? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, gosh, the smaller the company, I would say the easier it is to ask somebody to take a test. I mean, there's some amazing sites out there for free that will give you incredible insights. Yeah, that's really not that hard to do. I've never been a big fan of them because I've always designed our interview process to really tailor it toward what the company needs or what the business needs. So to think of it in terms of personality type, this has always been a tough one for me. And I, how do you know? You can kind of generalize, but... There are salespeople that I think an enterprise salesperson is usually wired different than a transactional salesperson. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what would be the difference there? Oh, I'd say on the transactional side, you need somebody that's very in the moment, here and now, detail-oriented, spontaneous, adaptable to dealing with objections and closing. So that'd be a sensate perceiver. So that'd be a second letter S, fourth letter P. If it's a strategic sale where it's long-term, I'd want an intuitive who is visionary, very articulate, sort of built for long-lasting relationships. And then the J, the judger, would be somebody who's very organized and structured because if it's going to take you half a dozen sessions with a client to make a sale, you're going to have to be an organized person. So I'd say an SP for quick sales and an NJ for strategic sales. There you go. You guys got it. We're getting close on time. Steve, what would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience that they can plug into their business today? I would say don't be afraid to ask people if they have taken a DISC or Myers-Briggs test and have them tell you what it is. You know, generally they'll tell you the truth. So I wouldn't be afraid to ask that. Again, it could be very confirming in your mind. If you're going to ask somebody, I have a favorite site that I'm not associated with them. I've looked at dozens of testing sites, and my favorite today is a site called 16personalities.com, 16personalities.com. It's a 10-minute test. It's a hybrid of the Myers-Briggs and Big Five model. Big Five, you may not recognize it's very highly focused in the psychological world, but they've done an incredible blending of those two to come up with a five-letter notation, whereas Myers-Briggs is four, and the fifth letter is assertiveness, which is more of a characteristic, not a trait that you would normally find in a personality test. So 
it, let's say you found somebody that was uh, introverted and you were a little concerned, but they had high assertiveness, which means they have great confidence and determination. And actually, I wrote a Forbes paper on that recently as well. I, well, again, talking about how to read and value introverts, whereas your first reaction might not be good, but the reality is they have a certain assertiveness. For example, if you're an introvert, you have great assertiveness. <laughs> you, you have it. So I'm just... God, talking. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're just about out of time today's show. Um, Steve, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our community can reach you? Well, I have a website called CoachSteveP.com, CoachSteveP.com. Or just send me an email and say, hey, send me a fast typing form. And that's at Steve at SteveFrenzinger.com, Steve at SteveFrenzinger.com. Frenzinger, P as in Peter, F as in Frank, R-E-N-Z-I-N-G-E-R. I've said that a few times. So. Perfect. And we're going to go ahead and we'll link that in the show notes. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Christopher Decker, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We welcome your feedback. After all, this show's for you. And of course, you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next week for another episode of Higher Power. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.